The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. In the next hour, you'll hear from some phenomenal people and healthcare leaders and learn how their challenges became opportunities. Our goal is to show you how you can positively influence your own life experience and purpose and achieve success. And now, here is your host, Danielle Delaney. Hi, and welcome to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. I'd like to introduce you today to the guest I have. She's very special to me. And a spotlight is on Eve Spock, an artist, a photographer, and filmmaker, and most recently, a manifester and paradigm shifter. She's originally from Baltimore and is now a local Angelina and delivering higher conscious films and television along with concepts and systems, systems that she has developed to attain happiness in your life for you. So welcome, Eve. How are you today? Hi there, Danielle. Thanks so much for having me. I'm I'm good. It's another perfect day in Los Angeles, as you can imagine, isn't it? Isn't it? I know it's so unfair to everyone else, but and being from the East Coast, you must really appreciate it. I'm born and raised Angelino, so I hear you. It's gorgeous out. So let's get into a little conversation about what we were talking about when I met you. I know that you're also doing the paradigm shifting and manifesting, and I want to get to that. But we started off. I mean, I'll just tell. My listeners right now, I met Eve walking around on the street. I was actually coming out of, out of a store off of Hollywood and Vine, and I ran into her, and we, were, we started chatting just briefly about um, veganism. I was going into a restaurant. So we started talking about food and what we, what we prefer to eat. We were just walking toward my car. I don't know where you were going, but I was walking toward my car, and we started talking about animals and the planet and how the humanity we show toward animals affects human beings as well. It's not, it's it's a double edged thing and people don't understand that. And you actually told me something I did not know, which was that there are no black rhinos left. And I didn't know that. So it was one of those things that I I would like to hear more about. And it made me want you to come on my show so that we can talk about some of these statistics and things I'm not aware of. And I don't think other people are either. So would you mind filling me in on some of the stuff that you're so much more knowledgeable about than I am so we can share that knowledge? Um, sure, Daniel. Uh, the reason that I happen to know some of these things at the moment uh, is because I'm, I'm currently making a project about animal trafficking. And so mm-hmm. via my research for all of that, I you know, found out a lot of things that I think you know, should be common knowledge, but, you know, nobody has time in their day to know everything, right? Um, No. But it comes down to, you know, two of the most important things, and I would say the two most important things, uh, no matter what your day looks like, is your food and your water, right? So um, there's a lot of, (laughs) right, there's a lot of animals uh, going extinct on this planet, and one of them at this time, um, which some people may have seen on the news in the last few weeks, uh, is elephants. Yes. Um, they're, they're talking about. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
So they're being poached, and I know that that's just like this key term that everybody knows, they're poaching elephants, and most people think, well, that's been happening for a really long time. Uh, Mm -hmm. But the truth is that, you know, this situation has been uh, expedited by groups in Africa that are using um, ivory to fund not-so-nice activity. Um, That's the ivory trade, specifically the ivory trade and killing the elephants. Right. They're killing elephants um, for their tusks, which is ivory, and they're Mm -hmm. using that money to do not nice things to other humans. (laughs) Um, Because they latch on to this trade of ivory, um, you know, it's it's making elephants go extinct, and that is exactly what happened with the rhinos. It was the same thing. They killed them for their horns. Um, Oh, so the rhinos were being killed for their horns as well. That's right. This is the same okay. exact thing. So, um, and the black rhino, unfortunately, has gone completely extinct, and there are six uh, white rhinos known to us in captivity left. Six left? Only six. Only six left in the world. In, in the world. In the world. Right. And this blows my mind. I watched, I watched Racing Extinction on CNN, and I'm, I pay attention to this stuff, but I didn't know some of the things you've told me, and that I didn't know until this very moment. And the fact that they're only in captivity, the only six left, this, this is unbelievable to me. And I, I just want to break in for a second. I've been donating to a foundation that I work with called IFAW, A-F-A-W. And if anybody's interested in that, which I hope you are, and we're going to talk about why these things are linked to humanity and to our survival, um, just go to the IFAW organization's website, just Google it, and I think it's on my host page as well. So we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more too, but it's just, there's a lot of people that support them. And I think they're one of the leading ones that helped dye the elephant tusks pink. And, um, and that way they're not being poached because of the pink tusks are then useless is what I understand. So I just wanted to put their name out there, IFAW, and people can look that up after the show or look on my host page. Hopefully I'll have information there by then. But um I just really think this is tragic that these beautiful, beautiful elephants, I didn't realize the rhinos, it was the, the, the horn as well. I wasn't sure what they were being killed for. So it's just horrible. All of it's terrible. And I'd like to hear more about it. So fill me in some more. Yeah, the, um, you brought up the International Fund for Animal Welfare. They're an amazing organization. Um, you can actually go online and sign a petition now. Um, of course, you can donate to them, but um, you can sign a petition to take elephants. Mm-hmm off of the, you know, uh, targeted animal list and to the official endangered list. And you know, I'll help I'll them. I'm going to put that on my Facebook, on my Instagram today. And my Instagram, please, or actually my Twitter would be better. Follow me on Twitter. It's, um, it's Danny Delaney. It's I-T-S-D-A-N-I, Danny, and then Delaney, D-E-L-A-N-E-Y on Twitter. So anyone that's interested in that, go to my Twitter later today, and you'll be able to, to follow that, find that petition. Okay, so I'm sorry. Go ahead. That um, petition is is a great one to sign. Uh, They're actually changing each state individually in the United States to say absolutely no more ivory because, unfortunately, uh, contrary to what most people believe, the United States is still number two in ivory consumption. And that is only behind China is number one because they're actually producing the products out of ivory. Um, and it's just it little illegal things that they put on tables. It's nothing useful to live, right? It's just decorative and decorative, I guess. I That's right. Say. That's ridiculous. They carve deities, um, you know, 
if you're of a certain age, then you remember that piano keys were made of ivory, and that was a real mm. special thing. Um, yeah, you don't need play piano. to make yeah. a piano. Wow. Yeah, yeah, you don't need ivory to make a piano sound any differently than it than it should. It's just a no. specialty covering, you know. Um, so we don't need elephants on our piano keys. <laughs> no. um, but, I think um, elephants are the only ones who need their tusks. I saw a beautiful documentary. It was called um, "Why Dogs Smile and Chimpanzees Cry," and it really shows just the depth of their their feelings and the, everything that they have. And they're just such beautiful, majestic creatures. And I've always been anti-circus, anti-any of that, signed every petition for all those things. My sister, Lorraine, was actually years ahead of her time, 25 years ago. She wouldn't allow my father to take my niece to the circus. She didn't want her exposing her, she didn't want her exposed to that. And that she knew the, the cruelty that goes on and that we can pick it up. You know, we pick up that energy. So I've, I've known about some of this, but a lot of it really is new information. So I just appreciate it. Keep going. Tell me more. Yeah. I think, um, you know, what's amazing about elephants is that um, we say that they're just like us, and that's because some of the ways that they express themselves is so similar to humans. Um, you know, they cry like we do, and they live mm-hmm. a long age like we do. They can live 60 or 70 years. Um, but um, the truth is that all animals feel exactly the same things we do. We just mm-hmm. only recognize it when it seems like a similar uh, you know, action like a human. Um, but elephants are yeah. extremely intelligent. They're very uh, amicable animals. They're really not. They're vegetarians. Uh, they don't kill other animals. And they're, mm. they're prehistoric. And they carry seeds, you know, and they deposit seeds. And those seeds grow into plants. And other animals eat those plants. And also the bees go to those plants. And just like any animal, when, that, when, when the elephants go extinct, there's a line of vegetation, other animals, and bees that will disappear along with it. And as we know, oh, wow. uh, when the bees disappear, our food supply disappears. So tell me this about is really that, important. I hear about that, but mm-hmm. I hear it in the periphery of, you know, when I'm at Whole Foods or when I'm at Cafe Gratitude, and this can all sound very granola and crunchy to people in the Midwest or out of the country that might tune into my show. There's a lot of people listening. And I just want to get into that a little bit because I know, you know, we have this hippie-dippy reputation here in California and in L.A. And why is this all so important so that people who are elsewhere who aren't exposed to hearing all this stuff, and I, I haven't heard all that I should. I just know what the right thing is to do and do it. But some of it, I don't actually know the, the train of thought behind it, which is not as educated of myself as I would like to say that I am. But I'd like to know more about this with the bees and how everything affects everything else. I didn't realize that the elephant spread seeds and that that affects anything else. It's just, it, and we're all so intertwined on the planet and it just helps to think about it that way. And go ahead and tell me more about that with the bees. Well, I mean, you know, all of it is, is like, if you think about it, you already know these things. We all know that, you know, when they use fertilizer for plants, they're using, you know, cow dung, right? I mean, yeah. Our, yeah. Our, every, the whole earth is, is based on a system. It's like, you know, we plant plants and we're breathing in the oxygen of plants and then, you know, we're breathing out, you know, non-oxygen. Again, it's just a cycle and then it goes back into the plants and it breathes oxygen. We get rid of all the plants. We have no oxygen to breathe, right? I mean, this is mm-hmm. a cycle that is the same with, with plants, right? You know, our excretions, we're eating plants and then our excretion becomes a fertilizer for the earth and the seeds are carried through that. Right, they grow wherever they're yeah, it's science. It's and then science. 
Yeah, exactly. We just don't think of it's it that science, way. science, and then the bees come and they're pollinating, right? We need the bees to yeah. pollinate our plants, right, for them to keep mm-hmm. growing. So, um, you know, some people, I know there are people out there who say, well, I'm not really an animal lover. Well, you don't have to be an animal lover. You don't have to have a pet at home. Some people are allergic to them. Some people don't like fleas or whatever it is that you don't like the smell <laughs> of them in, in your house. But to say that you're not an animal lover would be saying that, you, you know, you don't like us. We, we Humans are, are an animal. We are an animal. True. So, True. Um, you know, it's like we, we what we do need to do is respect the earth and, and all the fruits that it gives us, right? Because this mm-hmm. is how we continue to live. So you don't have mm-hmm. to love elephants or rhinos or whatever to realize that every time you take an animal out, you're changing the entire ecosystem, and eventually it leads to our food supply, you know, and our water changes as well. I mean, some of these groups in Africa that are attacking elephants are putting cyanide in the plants to kill the elephants, and they're also putting poison in the water. Well, that's no different than us drilling oil and poisoning our water. All that water eventually flows to each other, and we're drinking it. So at the end of the day, the idea is to respect the earth enough to not poison our own water and food, right? Makes sense to me. I just I don't understand how it's gotten this far and how we've really created a culture of extinction where we're not realizing that it's tied to us. Who isn't taking science in elementary school? So, I mean, blinded by science, you know, it's just more with science. And it makes perfect sense to me. And it just, we need people like you who can be relatable and explain it. Because honestly, I've never heard it so clearly explained. So it's just such a delight to have you. And it's such an honor to have someone who knows what they're talking about. Because uh, it makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Well, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I think that if you look at any little, <laughs> even mini- miniature systems, you know, people will say things like, oh, I can't have um, the coconut candy because the coconut, you know, that raises your cholesterol, right? Well, the truth mm-hmm. is if you eat an entire coconut, it, it balances out to zero because maybe the meat of the coconut will raise your cholesterol, whereas the oil of the coconut lowers your cholesterol, Right. Mm. So if you'd simply eat the whole coconut, you find that it doesn't do anything bad to you at all. But we do yeah, simple whole foods are better for you than all these processed things with all these things in them that we can't even pronounce. It's like the kid on the commercial that's reading it and trying to pronounce fifty syllables and is in, in his popsicle or what have you. It it it's real and all that stuff is nonsense and it's garbage that we're putting in. And then we wonder why there's so much sickness and illness and. What's in the environment? What's in the water? I have my water filters, but am I filtering my shower water? Am I filtering my ice? Am I filtering everything? I mean, I pretty much am, but that's because I'm really particular about these things. And it's, uh, it was a learned thing, though, that I realized that and that our skin is the largest organ of our body. So we need to be protective of that and, and doing a show later down the road about parabens and things that we put on our bodies and don't realize what we're contributing to disease, dis-ease in our bodies. So... I, I just think it makes so much sense. It really does. And I'd like to hear a little bit more about the bee situation, if you could elaborate on that. I mean, the bee situation is pretty simple. You know, they pollinate our, all of our, our plants. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, that keeps the, the plants growing. <laughs> I mean, it really comes that down pretty to much that. Does the tail. You know? It's like, it, yeah. I don't know that if, I don't know if we could keep up with our plants ourselves and, try to extract and pollinate every single plant that needs the bees to do that, right? 
And, uh, right. and, and, and back to the elephant, something I wanted to, before I forget, something really fascinating about elephants is known to man at this time, um, I've been reading about this, the elephants are the only animal on earth that, that don't uh, contract cancer. So they are um, really? completely immune to cancer. They, they have a gene that, that basically deflects cancer in some way, you know. So there's a lot that we can learn by keeping all of the system together. And, and, and if we keep looking, we, we find that most of the healing agents of, you know, what we need are right here in front of us. You know, wow. maybe there's illnesses, but the sicknesses are right there in front of us. And it is other animals and it's plants and so forth. Um, and, and, and we're just peeling off pieces of that. Right? No because kidding. And not only are we doing that with all of these things in the environment, but I, what I find also is whenever I bring something like this up anytime, it depends on the environment, of course, but whenever I'm just talking about it somewhere at a dinner or something, I really don't tell people what they need to eat. I'm concerned about what I put in my body. I really can't worry about everybody else. And I'm, I'm not going to go around policing what people have on their plate. That's just rude. So I don't do that. But if I just mention one thing or if someone asks me, usually it's why are you or why aren't you having that? And I tell them, they start saying things like, why don't you save people? And I think, well, actually I do. That's a lot of my work is I'm a, I'm a crisis counselor and I work with people in, that are survivors of violent crime or that are going through trauma or addiction and recovery. It's my area is saving people. But I don't need to explain that to them. I would prefer to have a way to put it that, it, that what we're doing to try to save the entire ecosystem and preserve that for their children. I don't have children, but for their children and for the rest of the world to come and for those of us that still are here, it actually contributes to saving them. And I'm wondering what, what kind of feedback do you get when you talk about these kind of things? Yeah, um, you know, some people just say, I, I'm not an animal lover and I really don't care. Or other mm-hmm. people say, you know, there's, there's much more important things than saving an elephant. Or, um, like, why, don't, why aren't you saving children, they say to me. Yeah, I hear that. An elephant. I that Usually I say, you know, this is really important, um, changing, you, you know, the laws. And that is what's happening right now with this ivory trade is that instead of trying to um, go kill a poacher, which, you know, is violent, and, and also mm-hmm. you have no idea who that poacher is. It could just be an innocent villager that joined a group, and they're trying right. to it's counter family, humanity, and they're not even aware of the numbers on elephants and, and so forth. So killing a poacher, I mean, it's violent, and also, like, you, you have no idea who you're killing. I mean, you know, right. that's not... Um, I don't think that's the smartest move that we've made or could think no. of. But um, and it's against the, law. the idea is to kill the, the market. So um, China has generally refused to stop making things out of ivory, and they are, in fact, have groups that are perpetuating the killing of elephants for the tusks, and they're working with groups in Africa that, um, you know, are, are approaching them at a rate that they cannot be replenished. Wow. Right? Unbelievable. So it's the a, idea being that if we kill the market, um, mm-hmm. well, then nobody will want to buy it. Now, did you say four states changed the ivory law, but only four in all of the United States? Only four states? We only have four states so far. Are we one of them in California or no? Yes, California is changing right now. Um, okay. But, you know, it, it takes an enormous amount of people to get behind laws to, to change right. them. 
right? So, so the idea being that we, we need, um, we need people power behind this idea. And it's yes, not just do. all 50 states in the United States, but we need every country in the world. So, uh, what was it, two weeks ago, they found 200 ton of ivory at the border of Kenya. And, of course, it's illegal to kill elephants, so they stopped the shipment that was being smuggled out to China for production. And the president right. ordered it to be burned, and he called all the news cameras in the world and made a spectacle of it and said, right we good. good. I'm glad to hear that. That's right, and the next morning, the response was that France um, closed their borders permanently to ivory and closed down some major auctions permanently. So, Good. you know, it took 200 ton, which I think they guesstimated was like 8,000 elephants just in that one smuggling group. Um, oh. You know, 8,000 elephants had to die for France to say we won't do this anymore. Yeah, that's what bothers right. me is that I'm thrilled that they were stopped, but, but just that they're dead already. We can't bring them back. You can't unring that bell. Well, you know, on that note, um, I want to talk some more about this, but on that note, let's, let's give out some info here. I wanted to make sure I did give everyone my, my Twitter, which is at Danny Delaney, D-A-N-I. I'm sorry, at it's Danny Delaney, I-T-S, and then D-A-N-I-D-E-L-A-N-E-Y. And I will be putting a petition up there or a link so you can click and sign. And the more of you that do it, please don't think someone else is going to do it. You need to do it. So please do it. I have done it, and it will be helpful in making this change. We need a lot of people power behind this. And this is the way those changes happen is to talk about it, get a call to action happening. So please go to my Twitter and click on that. You will see it there. I will make sure it's there. And uh, you're making a difference by doing that. And I'm also going to ask you, Eve, you're one of the first people I've talked to that I really feel it's just so empowering that we can do something and have a call to action and do things like this. And you're so knowledgeable about a lot of things. And I'd like to do, um, I mean, we're going to talk some more about some of the other things you do for healthy mind, healthy body. Um, and I'd like to do a four-part series with you. So I'm going to call it a little summer series. And what I'd like to do is invite you to come back on in June, July, and August, like one day. I'll book the dates with you. And I'd love to have you back on with The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney again three other times so we can continue with some of the topics we're going to talk about and have people email us. Um, I'm at I'm the real deal with Danielle at gmail.com if you want to email me, the real deal with Danielle at gmail.com. And then Eve, if you want to give out your email, and what we'll do is people can email us questions and they'll know that we're going to answer them the next time you're on. And we can do live call-in with those shows. So it's kind of a new idea. I don't usually do that, but I really think this is so helpful. And I know the other things we're going to talk about will be helpful. So let's... Uh, Let's throw out some of your information there. What's your um, your email or your Twitter or anything like that? Um, sure. I'm actually, um, at the, right now I'm rebuilding a whole website and everything, but, but the easiest way to get me right now is info.manifesting at gmail.com. Info, I'm sorry, go ahead again. Yeah, info.manifesting at gmail.com. Okay, perfect. So that's the best way to reach you for now. And, um, and when your website's up and going, that if I have you on the next three months, we'll definitely be giving that out too. So there you go. Yeah. Okay. So everyone go to Twitter for now. Follow me on Twitter at, at it's Danny Delaney. And that's it. And other than that, I really would like to talk to you some more about this. So, so four states have changed. Do we know what four those are that have changed? Yes. Yeah, New Jersey, New York, Hawaii, and now California. And now California. Wow. We're fourth. Unbelievable for how much for, for that reputation we have for being the granola crunchy everything. So it's, it's unbelievable we're even fourth. 
But I think if we get a lot of signatures on that, we can get a lot of people to change their ways and their minds about that, about some of this. Now, um, when we come back, I'd like to talk to you. We're going to take a break just in a couple minutes. What, is, what else are you working on here? We talked about this manifesting and paradigm shifting, and I watched a bit, little bit of a documentary that you showed me. Talk about that for a couple minutes so that, that that can lead us into break, and we'll come back and talk more about it. What's that all about? Uh, the documentary was um, I basically went to the Middle East to find people who had overcome uh, different types of clinical traumas in their own unique way, and the ways in which they um, overcome their traumas lead them in the most spectacular directions that they did not expect. So it's like doing the work to heal yourself can take you further into places that you never even expected to be ever. And, and that's wow. the idea. You know, when you give to yourself and treat yourself well, the surprises that come from it are pretty beautiful. So it's basically like in, in the course of healing, which I work with a lot with trauma survivors, whether it's emotional, physical, uh, molestation, rape, kidnap, all the things that people can go through in life and also trauma that one person may not consider trauma is traumatic to another. And it's really interesting to find out what the healing modalities are that work. And I'd love to talk to you about that some more, about, you know, the healthy mind contributing to a healthy body. It's not just exercising your muscles, but working with your belief systems and changing and shifting the ways that you think. So I definitely want to speak to you about that, and I definitely want to do part of our series this summer, our summer series with you, Eve, about that. So um, we're going to take a short break here, and when we come back, we'll talk some more about this paradigm shift and manifesting with Eve Spock. We'll be right back. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. If you'd like to connect with Danielle, feel free to send an email to therealdealwithdanielle at gmail.com. That's therealdealwithdanielle at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. This is The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. And we are back. And speaking with Eve Spock, Eve, continue, please, with what we were talking about before the break, about what you're doing here with manifesting and shifting paradigms. Fill me in on all of it. Tell me about what you're doing. 
Thanks, Danielle. Um, you know, uh, this whole manifesting thing is, is all about being happy. So most people really want to be happy, and they really do know what they want, but most people aren't going to get what they want. They're not actually pursuing it. And there's all kinds of reasons why. Um, you know, most people take a picture of the past, and they make mm-hmm. it their future rather than say, hey, my future is going to be full of all these new things because it's what will make me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're all guilty of this. This is not like only some of us. Basically, our subconscious makes us repeat things that have already happened. And yeah, you're absolutely our subconscious. right. That's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our subconscious is usually driving the boat, right? <laughs> like we think we are, but mm-hmm. in fact we aren't. Um, I mean, psychology is is the best indication of future behavior for human beings is past behavior. That's the best indicator. So you're absolutely right. It is like a photograph in your mind. And unless you shift something, that's what you're focusing on. Unless you really consciously look at something else. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Wonderful. Absolutely right. Um, So, I mean, the idea is that, you know, we've been taught a lot of things that we were told were true. And, I mean, you know, there's a lot of theorists out there and philosophers, and what is real and what is true is what we really decide is real and true. You can look at it from the standpoint of fashion or, you know, what is beautiful. Well, if you look at every century, we've said women are beautiful. If, you know, in one century it's if they're, you know, super heavy, and another century it's if they look anorexic. So what is exactly? You know what I mean? It's, it's what we define. It's a fad. It's a fashion. At the end of the day, these things are dictating to us what we should do rather than talk to us about what makes us happy. Now, I'm not saying, you know, if the fashion was to be super heavy to go, you know, gain a lot of weight and make yourself unhealthy because obviously being healthy is going to make you happy. And a lot Mm -hmm. of us are really taking care of our bodies and our, our appearance and even where we live or our car, but we're not taking care of our mind, right? And, and a healthy mind attracts, really healthy things around it, you know? So um, the idea is to manifest into your life what actually makes you happy and not what someone told you would make you happy. You know, uh, (laughs) we all grew grew up with our parents, and so there was some sort of family unit. You know, our paradigm is we should get married and have kids, but there's actually some people who who don't want to have kids and then some people who do. But they well, if everybody did it, there would be way have... too many. If everybody did it, there would be way too many. And it's just, it's interesting. I'm actually doing a show about that, about societal pressures and people doing what they're expected to do. And it may not necessarily be what's best for them or their life or their psyche or their future, but they're just kind of following a blueprint. So that's, that's a really interesting topic you bring up. And you're absolutely that's correct right. so about that. It's like we follow, we follow these patterns, right? And we also follow things that were told to us to be true. And what mm-hmm. I mean, told to us they'd be true, it's like, you know, our elders say things and we take what they say our whole life as truth. Even if we can consciously say later in life, I don't really believe that, because it was said to us so many times, we actually are functioning like that. That's why we, people say we tend to end up like our parents or end up like the people who raised us, right? Exactly. So, if but racism he, is taught, it's not, you're not born racist. Nobody is. Different things are, uh, are absolutely taught, and it's a conscious thing, and it's learning, and it's very hard to unlearn. 
it's very hard to unlearn certain things and belief systems once they're in place. And you're so right that that's the truth. People become what they're molded into. And our responsibility, I think, as conscious adults is to take a look at that and actually question what we were taught and see if it resonates with our authentic self and who we really are now when we're away from our parents. They won't be here forever. And unfortunately, that's the truth. And we have to have a life that we like to live, each of us. So I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah, and what happens is, um, I'll try to give you an example. Um, Like, we all play the victim and the aggressor role, right? So let's Mm. say you have an apparent that says a thousand times a week, I never made an easy dollar. I never made an easy dollar. I never made an easy dollar. Mm -hmm. You are actually sort of being brainwashed or, let's say, programmed to believe that, in fact, it is difficult to make an easy dollar. Or there are other people that make easy dollars because they grew up in a a place where money just seemed to come easily to them, you know? Mm. Um, Mm. And so you have two ways. A lot of people either become the victim where they can never make any money, right? Or they become Mm -hmm. the aggressor where all they do is chase and make sure there's tons of money and that's all they focus on and, again, not bringing themselves happiness, right? Mm -hmm. So in every situation that we play out and we play these paradigms out with people, um, we become the victim or the aggressor. And it's part of the reason why, let's say, um, either people don't find love or when they do, it becomes a difficult situation. Like people will say, oh, I found my soulmate. And usually Mm -hmm. what our subconscious is instantly attracted to is a person that we know we can play those paradigms out with. And it's like, like we just talked about ecosystems with animals and earth and water and all that. It's the same with these, these patterns. It's an ecosystem. It's like you can quickly identify, your subconscious can identify a person that you'll be able to play all your paradigms out with, and that person, mm-hmm. conversely, will also be able to play the paradigms out with you. And you create this ecosystem, and it seems so natural because it's something like your parents you already experienced or the ex- you know this pattern you're stuck in. And so that's what becomes the attraction about the person rather than the attraction being... What an exciting new person that I'm learning all this stuff that's totally new and different to me. People are usually a little bit scared of something that's different. You know? Right, it's what you're trying um, to do. I, I love the way you phrase it because it really is psychology 101. It really is counseling psychology and everything I've studied for years and years of my life. And you say it in such a way, you phrase it in such a way that it's so relatable. But it really is the truth. People are afraid of what is different very often. And they go toward what feels familiar. And it may not be what's healthy, but it's what's familiar. And I know I was raised never to speak of lack. And I'm never lacking because I grew up in a home full of love. And whether there's money or love or what have you, it's, it's just never speaking of lack. But um, that there is always enough. I have a theory of abundance in my head. That there's always more. And if I give this person a dollar on the street, 10 more come. It's, it's just not something I worry about. But I can imagine, you know, there are situations where people really do need to worry about that. And I've been there. I've been there, too. But I love the way you phrase it, this, um, the choices that we make that are sort of unconscious decisions, that are a, a story that's been written for us, that we can change. We can change that ending. It doesn't have to go in the direction it's going in. I love the way you phrase it. really do. It, it's, I've tried to, like, you know, I, I have a lot of metaphors and things that people can relate to. Um, I try to explain to people that most of your reality, um, you know, comes from like one place. Like every, if you if you look wherever you're standing right now, if you look around at yourself, 
everything mm-hmm. you're seeing from probably where the tree tree is placed to possibly how it's shaped, right, to the buildings mm-hmm. around you, the designs, the windows, everything came from the same place. And that's someone's thought. Like someone thought mm-hmm. that, including the color and the molding and where the light is placed. I mean, that's a trillion thoughts around you, but all of it came from your thoughts. So, you know, I would say that it's, it's probably true that, you know, your thoughts create reality, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, you take that one step further, and I always use the bicycle as an example. When you're riding a bicycle, you know, it doesn't matter what language you speak. You either mm-hmm. say it out loud or you think it right before you're going to fall and say, oh, my God, I'm going to fall. Yeah. You feel it, it. it doesn't matter where you come from. That's what you say. Mm-hmm. You know? And, um, mm-hmm. And the, the truth is that thoughts aren't random. Right before you said, oh, my God, I'm going to fall, what happened was you actually lost your balance. Right. Right? So you felt something. You mm-hmm. felt the loss of balance. That's what produced the thought. And then the action, you fall. So if, if, if you know, all thoughts are produced by a feeling, you have people who walk into a room and say, you know, I have a feeling that the door should be right there and the couch should go like this. I have right. a feeling we should do it in this color. They can't describe why they have that. It's a feeling, right? Right. And feelings so are then they say it, then they do it. It's a different thing. Exactly. So if all thoughts produce reality and all feelings produce thoughts, well, then the deduction is that all feelings are actually producing your reality around you. So when we True. talk about manifesting, we're talking about your feelings. Now, let me jump feel- in for two seconds here. I just want to play devil's advocate with you for a minute because I know I have listeners that think this way. I know I've had clients and patients that feel this way. And since I work with victims of violent crime, since I was a victim of violent crime myself and survived two violent crimes, um, you know, working with clients that have been through similar things, I find a lot of them honestly cry and really release a lot when they've asked me questions like, somebody said something to me like, how did I I draw this to myself or attract this or manifest this? And nobody attracts or manifests molestation or rape or being carjacked or being almost murdered. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, you can put yourself in some terrible situations in life, granted, but random things happen to people sometimes that they need an explanation for, and their brain is going in circles trying to find an explanation for it. And for myself, I remember hearing things like that. How did you end up in this situation? How did you draw that to yourself? And it would make me so angry, and this was decades ago, a decade and a half ago, and I really had to come to terms with it that I had nothing to do with it, and victim-blaming, victim-shaming, all of that nonsense that is just ignorance is something I really work with people on unraveling that and peeling that onion and realizing that they're just trying to make sense of something. And I think that other people say those things because it is a way of making sure it doesn't happen to them. They can distance themselves by it if they think, from it if they think, well, I wasn't doing what Danielle was doing or I wasn't doing that, so it won't happen to me. Where really, you know, some things are arbitrary, and I believe that. So how do you explain that to someone that comes to you and says, well, did I draw this to myself? Are you saying I'm manifesting all these horrible things? What if you're in a war-torn country? We can say these things, being born with American privilege and and able-bodied privilege. Did anyone draw these horrible things to themselves? So what do you say to someone with my question? What would you say sure. to that? Uh, okay, so you're one step ahead of me. Um, let me, <laughs> let me actually get there. The idea being that <laughs> where I was is if you look around you physically, all the things around you was like someone's thought that put that stuff mm-hmm. there. 
right? Mm-hmm. So now, I mean, obviously, if you aren't the architect or you aren't the builder and the person with the money who paid for it, he didn't make the building be there, right? Someone right. else manifested that specifically. So um, there are levels in your life. Um, you know, when I, when, I, when I talk to people about manifesting and paradigm shifting, um, mm-hmm. what we do is we look at, you know, the first thing they do is they, they tell me their whole life story and we identify the patterns, right? Now, mm-hmm. oh, the patterns come from events early on that they did not manifest. Sometimes True. from those things that they didn't manifest because they were children or whatever the circumstance was, something else will occur because that, be- and then that sets off a pattern. There's always something yes. that starts. Absolutely. That I agree. Yes. Off. So we I are. I to that. I don't like people. I don't like to tell people to think of themselves as victims. But let's say in our formative years, when we're young, you know, we, we have a certain degree of control, and a certain degree we do not because someone is raising us, and we're vulnerable children, right? So we didn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those things happen when we were kids, right? Like those okay. are the things that would set patterns for later in your life, right? Right. If you don't Absolutely. paradigm shift out of them. That would be like a trauma recovery is that you would paradigm shift out of some horrible event that happened to you, right? Right. And when, we, when I say paradigm shifting, what I found was I was very successful. And like to date, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm 100% people who came to me to manifest stuff. They got what they wanted exactly, exactly how we stated it. Mm-hmm. But sometimes they would lose it because their paradigm that they're stuck in, their pattern they're stuck in is to not have mm-hmm. it for one reason or another. So they actually would lose it. So I started not just doing manifesting, but paradigm shifting, because if you don't shift out of your patterns, you'll lose what you get. And you can manifest all day long, but you might keep losing it. Right, because it's, right, not, because the, you're it's still not the pattern in the you're in to have. Is that like the repeating loop of getting in your own way? And a lot of people do that. They try to come to therapy. They try to change something. And the next week, it's actually... Well, did you do your homework? What are you working on now? What are you doing from counseling sessions? Right. And some of the things they're doing are absolutely the opposite of what we decided they were going to do. But it's not my life. I'm trying to help them and guide them. And I don't direct. I just give guidance and help and support. And often they're really going back to the same pattern. You're absolutely right. And until they shift something in their belief or until they actually have an end in sight and a goal. And I know that I did it. I made it my full-time job to heal and to get better, but it had to be 24-7. And it took time and it took energy and it took finding the right people to fall into my life that did, that actually allowed that when I didn't have anything and didn't have money to help myself, didn't have whatever. It was just the energy of the sheer will of wanting to get better and deal with this PTSD and trauma and all of it. So I think a lot of that is the truth. It's, it's really wanting something badly enough and putting that energy out there. And I I agree with you. I really do. Well, I really see this as a very scientific thing. Um, I'm not saying that some of it isn't spiritual because you you raise your spirit or your vibration level by getting out of the that's negative, Mm -hmm. right? But let's look at it like this. Um, You're you're a walking being and you're, you're literally a piece of biology, right? You've got electrons, protons, neutrons. You've got chemistry. You're part water. You're part this. You're part that, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, what happens, especially the strongest paradigms, are the ones that are developed during our, our, our child years, like let's say 1 through 15, 
Okay. Okay. One through five being the strongest, but all the way up. And explain what a really... paradigm is too, while we're right there, just mm-hmm. for people. But a paradigm is a pattern, right? It's Good. a pattern okay. that you're stuck in. And so, um, you know, what happens is, and I like to use this analogy. If you think about when you listen to the radio, mm-hmm. how many songs are there about love? Mm-hmm. I mean, umpteen songs, it, and and they're still writing them. It's almost mm-hmm. like. That many songs over that many hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years, you think somebody would have described it right. <laughs> and yet they're always finding a new way to describe love, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, it, and we, we think of love as one of the most powerful emotions. It's really got us, you know? Definitely. And so it's a what happens it is, a is what we experience with our, what we, what we deem as our protectors, which is our parents, or those who raised us, or, or it can be even a teacher, someone you're so close to that you form a bond in some way, mm-hmm. right? And what happens is that person's close to you, and the way that they treat you or the experience that you have literally produces feelings or a chemical in your body. Okay. Okay? True. So, you know, what happens is, especially over time and when it's experienced at a young age, is that you are, in fact, addicted to that chemical because it's from True. the people that you deem closest to you. So, you and know, it's familiar. Some it's also people, very familiar to you. Exactly. That's right. So some people, let's say, you know, were beaten by their parents. Now, they now associate the word love because it came from their quote-unquote protectors with whatever chemistry their body produced when they were mm-hmm. got, got beaten and that's how they describe love in their subconscious. Right, the pain and suffering. It's pain and so suffering. They will go on. Suffering and fear. That's right. They will go on through their whole life attracting anything that will let them produce for free that chemical in their body again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because they're addicted to it. It's free drugs is what it is. And it's, all you have to do is find a situation that will produce it and you're happy. It's like right. It's their attachment style. They're bonding. Their attachment. Their oxytocin. Everything that's a hormone that's bonding has been produced through something that isn't healthy. And I do see a lot. I know you do too. We all do in life where people are bonding and attaching to the wrong things for themselves, for their own, for their own well-being, and for their own good. And I think it's it's really a science of knowing how to break that. It can be spiritual. It can be whatever you want to call it. But I do think it's really breaking that, breaking that pattern and paradigm, as you say, and shifting it. So what, what is the if work you have to shift out of it? Now, just like exercise, let's say you haven't exercised for a while, right? Mm-hmm. Getting back into exercise is always a little bit painful. Your muscles are sore. You're producing different chemicals in your body because you're exercising, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so the idea is that they say that it takes about 67 days, 66, 67 days, for you to be addicted to a new chemistry. So once you start exercising, if you do it every day for 67 days, eventually mm-hmm. that chemistry that you produce when you exercise, you know, adrenaline and so forth, you will now feel comfortable having that in your bloodstream and you'll all, it'll become part of your chemistry. And now you'll want to go exercise because right. you want the chemistry. The science building a habit. Exactly. You've created it. A habit. It's, yes. It's a, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's like you're addicted to it. I mean, but it, but it's a healthy addiction to exactly. want to exercise once a day or twice a day. It's like, that's wonderful. So the idea is to create a situation in your life where for a certain period of time you do not experience 
whatever that negative chemistry is, so that you become mm-hmm. unaddicted, right? Mm-hmm. And you replace it maybe with something else that feels different and keep that going for a certain period of time at a high level so you're addicted to a better chemical. A be- it's, it, they call it an experience, but I'm just going in a really scientific way. It's a chemical in your body. Absolutely. Right? Happiness produces. And I always tell people, like, it's like if I start laughing right now, if I just like, oh, <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, and I say something like, I'm so happy, I'm so happy, and I say it 15 times in a row, I'm so happy, I'm so happy, all of a sudden you actually start to feel that you're happy. Right, just the act you know, of smiling and, and then having a little laughter, it does bring a little levity to you, and it makes you feel that maybe you're actually having a good time and laughing. And it does produce that something in your body that you're, you're familiar with feeling, that good feeling. Right, so the idea is, like, first of all and foremost, is to do, do exercises like that every single day that bring that chemistry mm-hmm. so that every day you're craving, where's the laughter, where's the laughter, i got to have it. Mm-hmm. And that's, the best that's medicine, a wonderful thing to crave. Very that's helpful. lovely. You know, so I basically developed a bunch of ideas, and then I have a system of actually manifesting things into your life. And what I call paradigm shifting is I call cracking the nuts in your subconscious and, like, dissipating mm-hmm. them. They're like, they're like if you had a knot in your muscle and you got a massage to, to, you know, massage it out, the idea is to crack the nuts that are stuck in your subconscious, like, I, not, I must replay this idea. And you become fully conscious and aware of the patterns so that when you get to that juncture again that looks just mm-hmm. like the last time and you know you're going to go down that path, you say, you know what, I'm not going to choose that. Because, Daniel, what is the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. That one I know. Yeah, that's, that's right. the exact definition of it, Right. So if you want a new result in your life and you want to manifest something different, you must choose something different at the juncture, which you are now conscious of, that you're like, I can recognize that from a football field away. I'm going down the same road. I'm going to veer this car over here and go down this other road because they're right. Only new road. Now that if you want something different, choose something different. Exactly. So, and because it's scary, what I do in my system is that I, help people and we write what I call a new business plan for their life. Just like you would go to an investor and say, I've got this business and they say, well, how's it going to be prosperous? And you're like, because I want to show you this paperwork where I planned it out to work out properly. Mm-hmm. I thought of all of the, all the things on why this works out. And it's the same thing for your life. And in each area of your life, you're saying, I'm going to do this and here are the steps I'm going to take to do it. And I understand how I'm going to do it. I understand the whole plan. It's like, hey, I want to make a company. Well, how are you going to do that company? What do you need? What are the parts and pieces? Just like a recipe to anything, right? So that anything idea, else, yeah, you just put together the pieces scary. properly and work in a direction that you're that you're going towards. Obviously, that's so that right. works. It doesn't. It doesn't seem scary to take a new road that's completely different and doesn't feel like anything else you've had in your life when you have a plan to follow. Mm-hmm. That I like that. So it's like following a new map, a new map to something different instead of the same map, same destination that ends in the same misery and is the same chaos that you've become accustomed to and decided is normal for you. So it's creating a new normal, basically. Is that what you're saying? Am I getting you? That's right. You create a new normal okay. and you have a plan to do it. And so that you're not, it's like if you want to go lose weight and you go, well, 
I want to lose weight, but I don't know what to do. And then, you know, you have a trainer that says, here's what you're going to do. You're going to do 15 reps of this and 10 reps of that. You're going to do this for one hour a day, and then you're going to drink this many glasses of water and eat this food. That's a plan. So we've like a that. plan for each thing that you're going to do in your life to change it. And the truth is, the best way to do it is to change one thing at a time. Because when you're mm-hmm. manifesting, manifesting plans can clash, right? Interesting. And so you get Tell one me about thing that. Control, Tell me about that. How, does that. how does that occur and why? How and why does that occur? And how do you avoid that? Well, here's that? the thing. Um, when, you're, when you're manifesting, um, it's the universe responds to you in the shortest distance between A and B. It doesn't necessarily give you the best option, but it will give you the very shortest and fastest distance to the thing that you've asked for. Now, Mm -hmm. you, like a GPS in your car, doesn't really have a sense of good or bad. And we know good and bad is, again, it's a fashion and a fad and for this time, right? Like Mm -hmm. um, somebody was talking to me this morning about how their great-great-great-grandparents got married when they were 13, but that seems normal 150 years ago. Mm-hmm. Whereas today, we don't, that's not the norm, right? No. So we have a set of rules that work for this society and what works for us, right? So mm-hmm. what we are, we, we, set the, the, we set the universe in motion to give us exactly what we want, and the universe does. It gives us the fastest option. But you carry a whole moralistic system and, uh, you know, a system of judging things, and you know it's good and bad for you. The, G, the universe... The GPS does not. So you then, when the first thing comes to you very quickly, because that's what will happen, you say, well, we, well, I don't have to take the first option because the one thing you know about manifesting is that once you seal the deal on the manifestation, it mm-hmm. does not go away. It will keep coming at you. So well, now let's, take start with that. let's stop with that thought, Eve, because what we're going to do is we're going to continue with this series, and I'm going to invite you back. But I'd love you in this last minute of the show to go ahead and say your, your website or, I'm sorry, your email address again where people can reach you so that when we reconvene and pick up where we left off uh, in a few weeks, people can tune back in and keep checking back on my site to see where, where we're going to be starting talking about this again. It'll be t- every Tuesday at, uh, at 2 o'clock Pacific Standard Time with The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. And I'll have you on again in a few weeks. So could you give out your email again so we can have people sure. circle back and have some questions? Yeah, it's info, I-N-F-O dot manifesting, with an I-N-G, at gmail.com. Well, and thank I- you so much, Eve. <laughs> Again, I can be reached at the real deal with Danielle at gmail.com. And that's it for today. And we will absolutely have Eve Spock back on in the next few weeks so that we can talk about this further because I could talk to you all day long. So thanks for tuning in. <laughs> and I'll see you next time or speak to you next time. And take care. Thanks for joining us this week. Be sure to catch The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney live every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We can't wait for you to see what's in store next week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.